There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Femi Abebefe, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome in, everybody. It's the Saturday edition of the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM and live from Las Vegas at our Circus Sportsbook Studios. I'm Ben Wilson in for Femi today. Michael Lombardi back on the show. Great to see you, Michael. We have 11 games today. It's, it feels like a full, healthy slate. Week two, NFL preseason. A few games already in the books here for week two. So uh, let's go. Big show on tap today. We'll, we'll get our guy Tim Murray on in about 15 minutes to talk week zero for college football because, believe it or not, a week from today, we will be getting ready for the start of the college football season across the pond Can't wait. Uh, in Ireland. So hard to believe that it's almost here. Carl Jick Jack Johnson, Bo Revage Sportsbook Director, joins us at 11.15 Eastern. And then we'll visit with Thomas Gable, Sportsbook Director at the Borgata in Atlantic City at 11.30 Eastern. So, yeah, it's, it's a weird feeling. We've got 11 games of football today, Michael. And, uh, and the two last night uh, were definitely interesting, especially from the quarterback perspective, as Bryce Young for Carolina showed a little bit more Still, the offensive line seems like a work in progress, but at least it was not as bad as the 27 nothing blanking against the Jets in Week 1. You know, and the Giants, you know, they look like they were in midseason form. Of course, you know, they come right out and take the opening drive down the field uh, using Waller really like a receiver. He was their Travis Kelsey, if you will, in the offense when they started. So, look, it, 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 to me, Week 2 now is the old Week 3, right? None of these guys are going to play next week. And so this was their chance to get some kind of contact, get some things going and feel like, okay, we, we got some rhythm and we've got some movement and some momentum going into as we take two weeks or two and a half weeks to get ready for the opening game. So it was, you know, it was good. Carolina offensive line still struggling. They got a lot of work to do. I thought Young got hit way too much. I mean, he's not going to, he's not going to stand and take those hits. But I'll tell you what he can do is he's got great awareness. He's got great instincts. And even though it wasn't pretty, you could see that once this thing gets going, his size has not been noticeable in terms of watching him. Now, I understand it's the preseason, but he seems to have great awareness, shift and slide. He reminds you a lot of Drew Brees when he's moving. Yeah, just the the slipperiness he, he has in the pocket, able to evade rushers, which was a big 
a tribute to him and his strengths coming out of Alabama. Big reason why he was a Heisman Trophy winner and the number one overall pick. I think a lot of people, though, it's you know you always see this happen, especially you, know, you look on social media. We're kind of in a you know in a small bubble here, and it, it, it seems like Michael. Anecdotally, people have been very quick to pile on Young when it's look. It's a vanilla offensive look, both offense and defense for Carolina <laughs> at the preseason. It's an offensive line that's mightily yeah. struggled. So it's like, where do you stand on you know the actual? Like the raw performance of Young specifically, and it's like, how do you separate that from an offensive line that is, as we've talked about throughout the week, and we'll get into now again, is way, 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 way far away from where it should be going into week one. Yeah, I mean, look, we, Twitter is pretty clear. All they grade is production. Nobody can see past the production unless there's an agenda. You know, even when there's no production and if, they, if Twitter likes the player, you know, they're going to promote the player. You know, it's just, it's just the way it is. I mean... Trey Lance is 50 to 1 to be the MVP in the league. I mean, he doesn't even start. Everybody loves him. You can't say a bad word about him. So, you know, it's just the way it is. It's just, you, you know, to me, it's such a small percentage of what truly is going on. And if you know anything about football and you watch the game and you watch Bryce Young and you see what he's doing, the production isn't great. But once they get squared away with their execution, I think the bigger issue is, is can Frank Wright win an opening day game 0-4-1 as, as a head coach, and his team doesn't look ready yet, and they got another week to go. Yeah, it's one of those things you'd, you'd think. As much as, regardly, universally regarded as a good thing, shortening the preseason from four to three games, maybe Frank Reich is like the one person who says, you know, maybe I could use that extra week to try to <laughs> try to get my team ready. At least the Panthers did cover last night, three-point underdogs. Uh, if, if you were, and this is the classic thing, like if you're, you know, sweating out a dog, you know, you're, you're relying on a Jake Luton-Gary Jennings connection in the fourth quarter to get, get your backdoor cover, Michael. That's uh, pre yeah. preseason in a well, nutshell. Look, if you're playing preseason, you know, and, and you and don't cry for me if you're sure. playing preseason and, and complaining about Jake Luton on a deep throw. I mean, seriously, you know, this is – it's hard enough to handicap these games when they're real. It's harder, harder to handicap. And this notion that, well, this, this pros like the preseason – in terms of betting, I, I think it's a harder endeavor because a, a play here, a play there, how they call the game, you, you know, the backup quarterback, all, all that. And then, you know, it's just it, to me, there's so un, so many unknowns that the hardest thing about football is to control the knowns, is to, is to eliminate a lot of the unknowns in the, next, in the preseason. It's really hard. You can, you can be spot on with the handicap and be right in line with the line move, and then the third stringers get in, and it just all – And know, all hell breaks loose. And yeah, all hell breaks loose, A football loose, right? game breaks out. Yeah, exactly. I, and we'll talk about that in a second with the, you know, the biggest spread of week two, which was last night with Atlanta and the Cincinnati Bengals. That game ends in a tie. Falcons don't cover the six and a half. Real quick, though, so there's also the perception of you look at like what Daniel Jones did at quarterback for the New York Giants, eight of nine, looked very masterful leading that offense. How do you how do you realistically though evaluate that considering what Carolina was throwing out there defensively and the sort of schemes that we saw at play? I mean, I think to me it was just the Giants. I, I've said this last year, the Giants completed 105 passes in the preseason. And the year before with Joe Judge, they completed 55, which tells you the level of their execution under Dayball. And I think this last night was another indication of their level of, of execution. They've taken their practice situation and turned it into game reality. You know, they caught the ball. Jones threw the ball accurately. You know, he had a chance to make a play on the move. He did. They ran a lot of boot. They ran a lot of stuff that made it easy for him, which is what they typically do. I, don't, I didn't see a different offense. I mean, Waller's a wide receiver. He runs a slant. And he ran a crosser, you know, with free access against zone coverage. Great. 
but their execution, you can't ignore it. That's the key. Uh, there was no real scheme involved in terms of what the Panthers were doing, so I think you have to temper it a little bit, mm -hmm. but you can't ignore, deny that their execution was good because sometimes teams, when they go through this, their execution isn't very good, like Carolina. Exactly. Daniel Jones, 8 of 9, 69 yards and a touchdown in his one series. The three quarterbacks combined to go 26 of 33 for 230 and a couple scores. Jalen Hyatt looked much better for the Giants in his second preseason game. The rookie, four catches, 35 yards and a touchdown as well. Uh, that game, again, it's a, a thing where the Panthers are able to cover. Plus three does go over a total uh, in that uh, upper 30s range. And the second game of the night, so Panthers, you talk about week one and how Frank Reich has never won a week one game as a head coach. Panthers are playing the Atlanta Falcons, NFC South divisional matchup to start the year in a couple weeks' time. Falcons currently a consensus three-point favorite. And last night, we finally got to see a, a glimpse of Desmond Ritter. And you know, the, the general consensus was very, very a positive for Ritter, 7 of 9, 80 yards. He did throw one interception, which was sort of the one thing to kind of hold back what could have been a really, really good night there for Atlanta. As we are, we got really our first look at the starters all in action on offense. B. John Robinson, four carries, Michael, for 20 yards last night. Yeah, I mean, the 12-yarder for a run was a, was, a, was a great run. But, I mean, look, the one thing about Ritter last year, when you watch him, Ben, he, he was very careful with the football, right? He was not going to put the ball in harm's way. And for him to throw an interception in the preseason, maybe he is going to take a little bit more of an aggressive, uh, of of an aggressive style of play, which I think he needs to do. You know, the other factor is he's got to be accurate with the football, which was inconsistent at Cincinnati when he played. And last year, when you watched him in those four games that he started, a lot of the times he didn't want to throw the football because. I don't think he felt like he could put it in the right spot. There were some really tight windows that he didn't want to try to fit into. And because of that, I, I think he played very, very conservative. And so he's going to have to get past that, and his accuracy is going to have to allow him to get past that. So, look, Atlanta, one thing about Atlanta now, I think Atlanta's run game will be really good. Look, they've paid a lot of money for this offensive line. They've got a lot of skilled players that they've drafted. Robinson looks dynamic. Ritter's just got to execute the offense, get the ball to the receivers, let them do the hard work in the game. Sure. What what I just wonder about going forward for Atlanta, and it, that first drive, will that be a harbinger of things to come where the Falcons drive 107 yards? They get 107 yards of offense on the first drive. But you just, you just wonder as things get condensed, and that's the hardest thing we always talk about, Michael, for young quarterbacks coming into the league. When the field condenses, you're in the red zone, all of a sudden, the windows get tighter, and that's where the pick comes, a third and goal trying to go over the middle for Ritter. Will that be an issue you, you look at where the Falcons, you know, they've got the weapons to move the ball, but what happens once they get down into the red zone areas this year? He's got to make plays, right? I mean, it's all on – I mean, he's got to make the play. I mean, the red zone is about disruption, confusion. You know, that's where quarterbacks make play and decision-making, right? I mean, that's one of the reasons why last year New England didn't make the playoffs. Their red zone, they were 32nd in the National Football League in the red zone. You can say it was Patricia's design. Okay, you want to use that as an example. Also was careless with the football. They turned it over too much down there. Self-inflicted turnovers too, not ones that, you know, that somebody made a great play on. So I, I think that's, that's the challenge that you get into. Look, there's nothing you can take from preseason that manifests itself to the opening weekend because – all you can take is execution. Are they blocking effectively? Are they catching the passes? Are we throwing the ball accurately? That's all we can take because the one team's trying, the other team may not. One team's playing vanilla, the other team's trying to do different things. It's hard to really, they don't want to show stuff, so it's hard. But execution, 
to me, when you only have 12 incomplete passes like the, like the Falcons did last night and you have attempted 36 passes, your execution's pretty good. Sure. Blocking looked really, really good as well. I, I just couldn't help, you know, crack it up watching the first drive. 107 yards without a point. And I was trying to figure out, all right, what, like that, that you would think that's got to be some sort of record. Uh, shout out to uh, Jessica Brand on, uh, on Twitter, slash X, whatever. Steelers on December 31st, 2006, had a drive that went 112 yards without a point where they started at their own one, and Willie Parker fumbled uh, in, into the end zone against the Bengals. So I don't know if you can ever remember a, a drive that had more yardage with less, but uh, that was, uh, you know, conjuring up old memories but, last night with the Falcons. But, like, you take the Giants. I mean, Daniel Jones is eight for nine. He should have been nine for nine. You know, uh, Walker, Waller had a drop, yep. got hit, and the ball popped out. And, you know, DeVito was 9 for 11. I didn't think DeVito could be 9 for 11 against there, and he was really good. Only long pass was 14 yards. And Tyrod, you know, he threw four incomplete passes. So when you look at it, I mean, their execution, now they didn't run the ball effectively, but their execution was outstanding. That Giants certainly looking sharp last night. Again, that, uh, that second game, the Bengals and Falcons. Bengals were a six-and-a-half-point underdog since they really didn't play anybody, but that game ends in a tie way, way under. And we have a lot more NFL preseason to break down because week two continues. 11 games today, but up next we'll talk college football. Tim Murray stops by the Lombardi line. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare this is the lombardi line with former nfl executive michael lombardi now here is your host Legendary sports better Billy Walters sat down with Brent Musburger for an exclusive interview, and the only place to see it is on VEASAN. Billy reveals his systems for betting the NFL, shares some unbelievable betting stories, and gives the details on Phil Mickelson's gambling, including trying to bet on an event he was playing in. Check out the interview coming up on Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, only on VEASAN. It coincides with the release of the book Billy Walters' Gambler, Secrets from a Life at risk excited for that to come out in just a few days time we're also excited for the 11 game slate we have today michael week two in the nfl preseason actually starts here in just a couple hours where the detroit lions and jacksonville jaguars will kick off the slate we'll talk about that game in a little bit but wanted to focus on the three games today where you have first year starting quarterbacks a couple of them rookies 
uh, one in Jordan Love, who's been in the league a few years, but now getting the keys to the car for Green Bay. And we'll start in Houston, where C.J. Stroud, you watched him against the New England Patriots last week. Michael was in there for basically uh, you know a couple series and threw, throws an interception on his first drive as a pro. Now looking for another another opportunity at reps here against Miami. Interesting that the Dolphins are getting a big line move here. It was Texans minus five. Head coach Mike McDaniel maybe indicating he'll play his guys a little bit more, but a big week for C.J. Stroud. Has not yet officially been named the week one starter, but all signs certainly point to that being the case. Well, I think he's definitely going to be the week one starter. They started him in the first preseason game. Look, the best quarterback on the team is Case Keenum, and he's the third or second string quarterback. I mean, Davis Mills came in second against the Patriots. Stroud's got a long way to go, but the only way he's going to get there is by playing. You know, in fairness to the young man, he never played under center at Ohio State. Uh, and so when he dropped back first play, you know, he doesn't trust what he sees. You know, he's got a guy wide open, just throw the out, and he holds the ball and takes a sack. He's not comfortable yet. And I think this week going against Miami's defense with Vic Fangio, I think that certainly will help him. He needs those reps. He needs that constant rep. And I think they got to play him a little bit. You know, last week, Houston was really good up front. I mean, they gave New England a lot of troubles with their backup defensive line. And this week, you know, if they're going to play Tua today, it'll be interesting because, you know, the one thing we know about the, about the Miami Dolphins, that offensive line isn't very good. And so we've got to be able to – they've got to protect them. And this team, this Houston team, will come after the quarterback. So I don't know what – you know, I think a lot of it's going to depend upon what McDaniel saw in that practice session down there at Houston because Houston – the one thing they can do with, with their rush is with their defensive front, because that's D'Amico Ryans wants to have, is they can rush the passer. I mean, Greenard was good last week. Will Anderson was good. I mean, they, they have some really good – Jacob Martin, who they got from, from Denver. Jerry Hughes was their best pass rusher. They'll be a problem for Miami if they put Tua out there. And that was why we're kind of confused and why the betting market has reacted to Mike McDaniel's suggested, yeah, you know, if two attack below, he might get some time. Might being the operative word there. We don't know if that's actually confirmed. Total of 39 and a half for the game tonight. And that, that's well, the, the perception, too, uh, Michael, on Houston. It's like we understand it's a rookie quarterback in C.J. Stroud. Wide receiver room you could make a case for as being the worst in the NFL. But it's not like there's just no parts there. And this is a defense that even, even last year in a rebuild still finished 15th in, in overall pass defense on an EPA per play basis. And, Brought in a lot of guys under a defensive-minded head coach, so it's sort of like what you know. What do we view the ceiling actually being for Houston on the defensive side, even if the offense has their growing pains? Yeah, I mean, and and look, that's the way Houston's going to have to play. They got to play really well defensively, keep the game tight, use Pierce as a runner. You know, they're going to run the the Kyle Shanahan offense. A lot of boots, a lot of nakeds, all those things. Make some easy throws for Stroud. But to me, let's go to Miami. I mean, Armstead says he was okay after he got carted mm -hmm. off the field. We don't know if he's going to be healthy or not. I doubt if he plays. So Kendall Lamb, the left tackle, are we sure Austin Jackson's a good player? I think there's a lot of concern here up front, and I don't know if you want to put your quarterback out there. Now, look, it'll be get the ball out quick and throw it. But I'll tell you this, Houston can rush, and, and that would worry me. But McDaniel was able to watch the practices, so I think he's got a sense whether he can block them or not. Yeah, and that the latest report, because you and I were, were on the air a couple days ago, and you, you had the – I had the injury in practice in those uh, the joint practices there for Toronto Armstead. He's come out since and says he'll be he's targeting week one, so not going to see him the rest of the preseason. But at least the early reports, fortunately, was that it was not serious. There was just stepped on uh, in one of the joint practices. Uh, again, that's one of the three games we've got the first year starting QBs going today. Another rookie is Anthony Richardson for Indianapolis. Another game with a big line move. Colts got 
got a ton of betting support last week and then yeah. lose outright at Buffalo as a, as a road favorite. Now they're a four-and-a-half to five-point home favorite against the Chicago Bears, another game bet up by about a field goal here. First game for Richardson since officially being named the starter. Michael, what do you expect out of him today? Well, I, I think we're going to see more of the same, right? I think we're going to see more of the, okay, we're going to go after it. You know, we're going to run the six-back offense, try to get him some confidence and just continue down this road of playing as well as he can play within the framework of what they're doing offensively. I, I, I'm not – I don't have – High expectations, I don't have low. I think it's got to be managed correctly. My, my look here this week is going to be how the Colts' defense, are they going to play their guys? Are they going to get their defense ready to go? That's going to be the key, right? I mean, that's going to be the key. they got to play well on defense to keep them in the game so they don't get behind where Richardson has to become a pure drop-back passer. That, right. like, the game's going to move way too fast at that point for any rookie quarterback, whether it's Troy Aikman, whether it's Peyton Manning or Anthony Richardson. It doesn't matter. So they're going to have to play really good. I'm, I'm anxious to see this Colt defense against the Bears. Now, you know, the Bears played – Justin Fields three plays last week. They got DJ Moore involved. You know, they made some they made explosive plays with their passing game. But this Bear defense didn't really shine. So I think they got to play well today too. So the, there's a little bit of the movement I think is partly because both teams I think ha- want to play this a little early in the game like it's a not, not like it's a true game. But at least let their guys get their feet wet today. Yeah, and that's why you know, I, my bigger you know, the thing I'm going to be focusing on more here is just how the Bears' offensive line, when they are in with Justin Fields at quarterback, again, we expect that to be limited. But the strength of the Colts is going to be in the, the front seven, especially on the defensive line. That's the perception coming into the year. So how the Colts look against a, you know, a, a run-first offense like the Chicago Bears, I'm really interested in, even though it's going to be a really small sample size because we talk about how the – the Colts really lack you know, physicality and, and toughness under Frank Reich last year. And this it's going to be a very small glimpse, right? But it could be a, a small window into what we're actually going to see in the regular season as far as how that Colts, uh, right. especially on that D-line look. They, they've got to play well up front. I mean, look, the Colts are going to be – and I wrote about this for Visa this week. I, I talked about how I think the Colts will be a really good 50-minute team. I mean, I think eventually they'll wear down because if their defense is on the field, one thing about this – this Pete Carroll style of defense that the Colts run, the same thing that the Bears run, is the longer they play, you know, you've got to be able to wear them down. They're not, they're, they rely on quickness, athleticism, speed. It's get up the field. And if they have to play 32 minutes, they'll look different defensively than if they play 28 minutes. Now, one of the problems with that is the, the Bears, excuse me, the, the Colts offense, can they control the ball? You know, can they convert third downs? Can they keep the ball? Play a little slower pace to allow that defense. They've got to play complementary football with Richardson in the game, and hopefully that'll help them. But if they play too much defense, like the Bears, that becomes an issue. Yeah, so that that one thing we'll be able to watch. It's just, yeah, Colts D-line against Bears O-line. And and we're not expecting to see uh, Justin Fields. Uh, And that's, I think, another reason why we've seen the line go up here was two and a half at open, uh, or two, depending on where you shopped. Right now, consensus five-point favorites are the Indianapolis Colts against the Chicago Bears. And the game you and I will certainly be uh, being uh, very closely paying attention to, Michael. It's the New England Patriots, Green Bay Packers. Second preseason start this year for Jordan Love. And after a really good, uh, fir- you know, at least uh, his first week against Cincinnati, everything went well. Joint practice is wrapping up this week. I'm seeing the Packers right now in the market. Uh, they are also getting some attention up to three-point favorites. So the second straight week that uh, the market has gone against Bill Belichick and the Pats just with those preseason expectations, <laughs> not, not thinking a whole lot of starters will play as we've seen in the past. 
Well, they, you know, they got a lot of work. I mean, I don't, if you talk to anybody who watched the Green Bay New England practices in Green Bay, uh, you know, there on Ray Nitschke Field, they, they got a lot of work. I think they they were able to really get their ones and twos a lot of team activity. Uh, I'd be surprised if if those guys played a lot today. I think this is going to be more of a, a Sean Clifford, Bailey Zappi, yeah. Malik Cunningham game than a Trace McSorley game. I think now maybe Belichick will start his guys out in the first quarter and the first quarter and kind of get some reps, but they're going to Tennessee from there and they're going to practice against Tennessee next week. So they're getting a lot of their work done with the, with these teams and these teams uh, matchups, which are really good. So I, I would expect love to play, but I don't know how much, because like I said, both these teams played, I would say more than a game on Wednesday and Thursday. Do you expect, and Zappy last week, 12 of 14, 79 yards for the Patriots, but it wasn't an offense that was really looking to you know, push the ball, only put up nine points with a lot of backups. Do you expect, even with the backups, a little bit more uh, aggressiveness just to see what, what they've got from the second stringers? No, I, I think New England will play it pretty close to the vest, knowing that they got to try to, you know, they're, they have a lot of injuries in their offensive line currently, mm-hmm. you know, and so because of that, the, their backups are starters and their starters are, thir- you know, their, their offensive line isn't very good. And I think the Packers, you know, the Packers defensive front, as we've talked about very, uh, very often here, is really good, you know, and everybody focuses on Preston Smith and, you know, but I'm, t- or, and they drafted Lucas Van Ness, but I- I'm telling you, they've got a lot of really good players on that defensive front. And that Kingsley Anabari, I think that's how you say his name. He's outstanding. I mean, he's one of their best rushers. Been getting rave reviews so, so far in camp, and it'll be fun to watch that going on later today. We also will break down some of the quarterback battles going on. These might have a little more intrigue. We'll talk about them next as we roll on Saturday edition of the Lombardi Line. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Femi Abebefe, on VSIN, the sports betting network. All right, pumped for hour number two of the Lombardi line here from Visa and the Sports Betting Network, presented by BetMGM. Excited to get Carl Jack Johnson on from the Beau Rivage Sportsbook. Coming up soon in about 15 minutes, Thomas Gable, Sportsbook Director at the Borgata, joins us from Atlantic City in a half hour as well here on hour two of the show. I'm Ben in for Femi today, and it is time for what is on Michael's mind. Quite the week in the, uh, <laughs> in the NBA, Michael, as much as the NFL preseason is dominated. It is really the soap opera. More headlines coming out today, which we are going to get to uh, in just a moment. Just kind of want to, you know, start start from the beginning here because you and uh, Femi were on the GM Shuffle Monday at, right after the James Harden initial comment from China where he's called GM Daryl Morey a liar in, uh, in, in Philadelphia. And uh, so I want to, first off, just to get everybody caught up to speed, this is what you said on Monday uh, on the pod with Femi, uh, and this was uh, also on the Lombardi line as well. So here's, here's where you started, Michael, and then we're going to go into how the week has played out. I really believe, Femi, that Maury would have paid Harden, but I think somebody stopped Maury from paying him. Mm. And I think it's the owner. I think Maury would have extended him for three years and felt nothing to it, right? Because Maury still thinks he's an elite player. That's why Maury's sitting there saying, I'm not going to take less for him. Then, you know, he's not worth it. Nobody sees him the way Maury sees. There's only two people in the world that see this guy as an elite player, Maury and Harden. So Maury necessarily kind of has to fall on the sword. If it's like, let's say it came from above that said, hey, Daryl, you cannot pay this guy that kind of money. He sort of has to fall on the sword. We're not paying him. And I'm not paying that guy that kind of money. I don't care if you have it in your car. I'm not committing this team to four years of that money. I think that's what happened. 
And what's interesting to just sort of throw, yeah, throw this against what the what another comment came out, Michael, is that Kevin McHale, uh, who certainly is very familiar with this with that uh, situation, being uh, you know being very close to the Philadelphia organization and and just in, you know in general from his time as a player and a and a, and a coach being in the league. Uh, here's this quote, which I think is fascinating, and it kind of echoes a lot of what you were saying here, where Kevin McHale says, you know, "My my whole opinion is that Daryl Morey has really hooked up with James Harden, but I think ownership looked at it, and let's face it, if the owner looks at you and goes, we're signing that dude, you're signing that dude, this is the quote again from Kevin McHale, story's over. And if the owner looks at you and says, we're not signing him, you're, you're just not signing him. So it's interesting, Michael, that people within the league kind of view, view this similarly as to you do, that maybe this is a higher-up thing, and it's not so much on the Daryl Morey front. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, McHale said it really well. Like, you know, players sometimes hear what they want to hear, but we do know that Maury loves this guy. And I don't know the end game here. What is the end game? Now, today it was announced, Elliot, our producer, mentioned that the NBA is, <coughs> is investigating these. They're going to look into it. I mean, remember, the 76ers lost uh, their second-round draft picks. They got fined a million dollars for tampering with the two players, Melton and Tucker, because they, you know, that, that's the money they got from Harden. And I've said this all along. Players don't give back money unless they have something coming to them, right? And the, the conspiracy theorist in me, which I am, you know, would say that they probably had some kind of agreement. But then I think what happened, this is just purely speculation on my part. I think what happened was when Maury told Harden, or maybe Harden sensed he wasn't getting this deal from Philly, all of a sudden, he tried to bring Houston into play. Like, see, I'm going to go to Houston. I could go to Houston. Right? I'm going to opt out and go to Houston. And if you don't pay me, I'll opt out and go to Houston because Houston wants me. And then we find out Houston didn't want him. It was all just theatrics. It was all just PR through the media. It was all just a negotiating ploy. So you've got to try to put them all together and come up with a conclusion. But the, the real conclusion for me as a 76er fan, why it's on my mind, is even as the week of preseason, is there's no the only end game to this is both of them have to go. Like, I can't imagine that Maury can stay or Harden can stay if you're the 76ers because Harden's not going to come in. And as Mikhail said, he did come in out of shape, which he looks out of shape right now for, based on that, that video from China, and he's not going to play or care which is then going to lead us down a road to where Embiid's going to want to get traded. Oh, it's a tangled web we weave. It, it really is. Yes, it is. The soap opera that, that keeps on giving. And here was the, the report from Adrian Orgerowski of ESPN was that the, uh, the league office is, is pursuing an understanding, this is how they phrase it, of whether James Harden was, was portending a holdout in violation of the CBA uh, or had been referencing past contract discussions with the organization that might constitute salary cap circumvention. So that's kind of how they, uh, they, they phrase this. Uh, as far as the investigation now underway after the liar comments from James Harden. Another soundbite, too, we have from James Harden, which then uh, continues this, uh, the ongoing soap opera. Here's what he, he said now that he is, uh, I believe, back in the States and, and continuing to talk and speak about what's all going on with Philly. With China, do you have an open line of communication with, with the 76ers, and how much patience do you need to have to, to let this play out? I'm just, I'm, I'm been patient all summer, so uh, for me, it's just uh, focus on what I can control, and that's, uh, you know, working out, staying in shape, and uh, getting ready for a good season. Too late to repair the relationship? Uh, I think so.
They gotta love the what the high school football <laughs> random field. I don't know where that was, but maybe he was working out though. I was encouraged by that. Maybe he's back to maybe after he got done with China, he realized I need to get to working out. Maybe, yeah. I mean, that that would make a lot of sense. Uh, look, I believe based uh, believe that was from Houston, uh, where, where he was at on a, in a just a random uh, Texas high school football field looking to work out. So uh, we got we have the what's on Michael's mind graphic, and it's just like I just I just can't believe also that you have the odds too for. Like the Clippers are still minus 280 since that's been the preferred destination, um, and you know, and and uh, Josh Harris has certainly been a big role in this. So that's probably the one thing we just haven't talked about enough, and that's uh, and that's now only continuing to grow as more and more comes out about this and the speculation builds. Yeah, I mean, there's no end to this. I like one of these things you have to do, and I think that reporter asked a question: Is that can we, this made up? Like as the great Arnold Rothstein said, nothing says I'm sorry better than money. Unless the 76 are going to give him more money, you're not making this isn't making being made up. And for what it's worth, if you're betting this and you're going like what like at this point, as much as it's attractive to say, well, okay, there's clearly a fractured relationship. Why like there's why would I bet Philadelphia as far as where will James Harden end this? By the way, this graphic is phrased as play his next minute, so be very careful how you're betting this. Why would anybody in the right mind, Michael? Given the soap opera that we're dealing with right no. now, and James Harden ever want to tie any money to a bet like this? It's it's the biggest waste of money you could ever make. It, it really is. I mean, I, I I don't know what it. You know, to me, it's a waste of time. Hey, look, you know, we the, this this whole trade thing. I mean, the Clippers could have easily, you know, that Maury's not going to make a deal. They're not offering what he. What do they want? Right? Like the value of the players been diluted through all this as well. Dame Lillard, the same thing. I mean, Tyler Hero, you know, they're not getting Dame Lillard in Miami for Tyler Hero. I mean, that's already been said, and that kind of has quieted down. Exactly, and that's, you know, that's why for, for many of these markets, too, they've started out, they were, they were released you know, very, very early in the summer as soon as the initial demand from Jaden Harden to be traded came out, and you know, that's why you're still kind of sitting here and there's not really much uncertainty whatsoever. It's only gone the other direction, and yet, the odds have all stayed the same. Clippers uh, still, uh, still minus two eighty. And you know, the other thing I was just, I'm curious on, and, and just wondering because if you go back, I mean, Adrian Wojnarowski has been so tied into this from the ESPN front, and has had a you know, bunch of reports come out. And this, I mean, you go way back to even during the season, and I mean, he was, you know, he was mentioning Houston as a possibility. He was also mentioning possibility of James Harden getting getting the extension. You know, going back to during the season last year, and it, you know, you sort of wonder, well, somebody was clearly feeding that to Woj. So where was that yeah. all coming from? And, and the timing just seemed very, very conspicuous with how things have now all of a sudden totally fallen out. Yeah, I mean, that's just, you know, this whole thing. That's why, you know, the media the, is such a, a conduit to this information, whether it's a cover story or whether it's trying to create leverage. You know, oh, Houston wants them. Well, Houston didn't want them. No one wanted them. I mean, there's nothing that tells you more about the value of the player that when he opts in. I mean, Montrell Harrell, who was horrible last year for the 76ers, opted out, and he got more money. Now, he got like $200,000 more, but even he opted out. I mean, Harden had no choice but to opt in Mm -hmm. because he knew that there was no market out there for him to get the $36 million. I don't think he could get close to $36 million. So he had to opt in, which tells you he has no value. If you're Maury and he opts back in, it isn't because you got this unbelievable player. It's because he's not playing well. 
And I also wonder too, from the Elime Udoka perspective, is the big part of the you know the whole Houston narrative because if you read some of the reports, like from you know from Adrian Wojnarowski, I mean they're. <laughs> There and there's reports up there from the Athletic going back to March, which was before Udoka was hired. He was hired in late April to be the Houston head coach. If if Harden, like I, I wonder if there's a part of this. Harden really, really believed that this was in the makings in Houston, and Udoka gets there and he goes, uh, "Yeah, that's not that's not how this is going. I am not taking on James Harden." And as soon as that was squashed, all of a sudden Harden had, had sort of felt like, and maybe in, in his mind, he was sitting there and, and felt like, "Okay, well, this this uh, this plan A is gone." Now, if Philadelphia calls my bluff, this, this could result in some chaos. And it seems like that path is sort of what has ended up playing out here. Yeah, I, I think. And so where does it all go? Either he comes back, he's not going to be. How would you like to be? How would you like to be Nick Nurse right now? Yeah, <laughs> well, he's getting paid a lot of money to, uh, to lose the remaining hair he does have. You know, everybody says that, but unless you're in the in the money, you you don't do this job for the yeah. money. You do it because you love it and you want to win. I really believe that. I mean, and so th- you got to be sitting there. What did I get myself into? Now the reward is, you know, you got a you got a hell of a, of, of a of a financial settlement. But like this is not this this is going to define who I am. This is horrible. The irony too is Nick Nurse is he's never been a guy as a as a head coach in the era of player empowerment. Who, who lets guys have a long leash as far as players go. Like He's always been super stern and strict. And I, even if Harden was, was happy and all of this stuff was set aside, imagine that relationship coming in where you know, Nick Nurse is not going to let Harden come in and just you know do whatever he wants regardless. Oh, he's going to – no chance. He's going to want him in shape too. You, you better – yeah, you bet that he'll want to in shape. That's another question. With, with training camp, you know, it opens up in just a few weeks for a lot of these teams. It's, it's uh, right around the corner here, the James Harden saga – the gift that keeps on giving, and that is what is. I'm not surprised. That is on your mind, Michael. will be for some time. Uh, when we come back, let's go to the Beau Rivage, Carl, Jick Jack Johnson. He is joining us next on the Lombardi Line. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.